Welcome to the Big Six Podcast. I'm Will Brenton, your host of this daily CBS Sports NFL podcast. Man, we're getting close to the season. Pretty excited for it. Stay fired up. We're going to keep moving through Nerd Week. Um, it's not really Nerd Week. It's more like Analytics Week. But then we had Andy Benoit on on Monday. Actually, I had two podcasts on Monday because that's how we roll. Antonio Brown stuff got so crazy. Um, we'll have more on that in a second. Um, but you know, with two podcasts on Monday, Andy was sort of nerding out on football stuff, which you know, film stuff, which is what we wanted. And then today we're going to sort of shift towards analytics for the rest of the week. Aaron Schatz of FootballOutsiders.com will join us if you like football. And I'm assuming you do because you're listening to this daily NFL podcast. Uh, you should go to footballoutsiders.com and buy the Football Outsiders Almanac. It's one of the best resources you can possibly get for the regular season. Tons of information. It's cheap. It's like 50 bucks. 60 bucks gets you a subscription to the site for a year uh, and Kubiak projections, which uh, are very helpful in fantasy. I use them all the time. Uh, so I highly recommend doing that. We'll you know, promote it more as we move along. Also recommend that you check out Fantasy Football Today with our friends Jamie Eisenberg, Heath Cummings, uh, Dave Richard, and Adam. Um, ah, I can never remember his name. He hosts the show. I don't, I don't know. He, some guy. Anyway, uh, Chris Towers, Ben Gretsch pop on there. A bunch of good people. Um, by the way, next week, the Pick 6 podcast crew is going to be together in Florida and we're going to be doing shows live from there all week. Very excited about that. It's going to be super friend, super friend fest. Uh, myself, Sean, Ryan, Breach, we'll all be down there. So, uh, make sure and, um, I'm sure we'll squeeze a mailbag in. So if you want to leave a five star review and ask us any question, football related or otherwise, we will get to it. We might do multiple podcasts per day. Who knows? I think we're going to do like a one takeover of the FFT show. I don't want to, you know, speak out of turn, but that's what I hear we may do. Um, so excited. For that. Also, I know people uh, are asking a lot about the listener fantasy football league. I think we may bail on it because it's a whole lot of work to run four football leagues, but floating the idea of doing some sort of best ball uh, setup or um, maybe even like daily fantasy in the context of the listener league. So you'd be able to, you know, you have to throw in like 10 bucks or five bucks or whatever it is, but we do leagues and you can compete against me um, and other listeners. So if, if you're interested in that, let me know, tweet at me. We'll try and make that happen. Um, running the four leagues is just a lot. There's also a, a pick six podcast pickums league that I think we're bringing back, gave away some t-shirts and, and, and stuff for the people who won that uh, more details to come as, a, as we get closer. I realize we're, we're borderline on the edge of the season right now, but still a couple of weeks to go. I mean, I, I haven't even said, I've got fantasy leagues I run. I haven't even sent out emails to, to let people know when the draft might be just, you know, part of you know, get, get callous to get used to doing this stuff. Um, speaking of callous, Antonio Brown, uh, feet not doing well, but he did get a, a little bit of finality on his helmet situation and arbiter ruled that Brown will not be able to wear his old helmet, uh, denying his grievance to wear, wear the, uh, the old school helmet that he'd been wearing forever. And it, it, Brown wrote on Instagram or in Twitter, uh, while I disagree with the arbiter's decision, I'm working on getting back to full health and looking forward to rejoining my teammates on the field. I'm excited about the season. Appreciate all the concerns about my feet and added a feet emoji. This is the news section of the program, by the way. Um, so yeah, I mean, Brown was never going to retire. We knew that that was a bunch of hogwash 
uh, uh, other whatever you know, uh, shenanigans, whatever you want to call it. He, he wasn't leaving all that cash on the table. And I, I'm sure that his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, and multiple members of the Raiders have, have spoken to him and said, look, Antonio, can you just pull it, you know, keep it between the mustard and the mayonnaise a little bit? Cause we need to go out and win some games. And without you, we are probably in trouble. Um, worth noting that, uh, Mike Florio pro football talk reports that the, uh, the NFL, the Raiders and Browns reps have all been in contact and the league has approved the receiver wearing his preferred helmet model, a shoot AIR advantage. However, he has to find one that fits him. It has to be in good condition, and it has to be less than 10 years old. Shoot, stop making the air advantage in 2011, uh, as Tyler Sullivan wrote on our site. So there's some helmets out there that would be within the 10-year limit. Brown just needs to find one, needs to be in proper condition. Surely Antonio Brown can find a helmet that will uh, that will work. So there is a resolution there, even though Brown um, – you know, was actually denied the opportunity to, uh, to, to, to use the helmet. Um, as we point out with Andy Benoit, maybe that's not the biggest problem. They still got to deal with the fact that he's not exactly, uh, a great fit with Derek Carr. That's in Andy Benoit's words, not mine. We'll see, uh, we'll see what happens there. But Brown appears to be headed back towards the field and helmet gate, uh, Brown helmet gate. What can Brown helmet gate do for you is, uh, is over. Now we just have to worry about his feet. By the way, John Gruden actually did speak out, um, and say that, uh, Brown, he's quote confident he's going to be a huge factor for the Raiders for years to come and, and told everybody stop being so smarty about Brown's feet issue. It's a very serious issue, according to John Gruden. It is a serious issue. It's just a weird injury. That's, yeah. Uh, Dak Prescott, the other big name in the news, trending in a big way. Dak, according to uh, a report from Jane Slater of NFL Media, uh, said that Dak has, in fact, turned down $30 million and is seeking $40 million a year. Uh, reports immediately flew out from Dak's reps. I think it was actually a quote. Through Dak's reps were like, that's just false. Of course he's not looking for $40 million a year. I'm not questioning Jane's sources. I mean, Jane, Jane's been killing it this summer. She's good at what she does. Um, but I think when you look at these quarterback contracts, right, Here's the thing. Russell Wilson is making $35 million a year. He is 31 years old. Ben Roethlisberger, $34 million a year at age 37. Aaron Rodgers, $33.5 million at 36. Carson Wentz, very good comp, age 27, came in at $32 million a year. Remember, Wentz signed his deal um, earlier uh, this offseason, back in uh, about June 10th. And, um, he had, uh, 107.9 guaranteed, but only 66.5 million fully guaranteed at signing. There are, uh, per overthecap.com, numerous easily achievable escalators increasing the total value of the deal to $128 million. He got a $16.367 million signing bonus. So here's the thing. The Cowboys have probably offered Dak Prescott a deal, as Mike Lombardi reported, Around, Mike Lombardi of, of, uh, Vison and the Athletic, I think, around $30 million and he turned it down. Now, that sounds nuts in a vacuum, but this is not a vacuum. Dak Prescott is a young quarterback who's produced at a Pro Bowl level, has won multiple division titles, won the 2016 NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year, has never missed a game in his career for injury, and He's been paid like a mid-round pick for the entirety of his early season career. I'm not 
I got people got hot and bothered at me on Twitter about this. He's not taking one cent less than Carson Wentz. And if, if Dak Prescott had signed first, Carson Wentz wouldn't take one cent less than Dak Prescott. It doesn't matter who you think is better. It, these guys are the market's been set. I mean, Carson Wentz is the market. Um, additionally, unlike Carson Wentz, there's no fifth year option to worry about for Dak Prescott. If he plays this season, he'll be he'll be eligible for a unrestricted free agency. The Cowboys will obviously, one would think, franchise tag him. Um then they could tag him a second year. Dak could play it out like Kirk Cousins did. Uh, du- Jared Dubin and I were your colleague Jared Dubin and I were talking about this on Twitter. A three year tag value is hundred and six million dollars. He is going to make sure he gets $106 million in his pocket, bare-ass minimum, for the first three years of any contract he signs with the Cowboys. The idea that he's going to take less than that because he's supposed to help out his teammates or help out the Cowboys, that is asinine. Dak Prescott currently slots in, in terms of average annual value, between Garrett Gilbert and Gardner Minshew. Okay, he's above. He's right above Trace McSorley, Mike White, Luke Falk, and Nathan Peterman. He's below Cody Kessler, Josh Dobbs, Jared Stidham, Kyle Laletta, David Fails, Tyler Haneke, Tyler Bright, and Ryan Finley. Not to mention Jacoby Brissett and a bunch of other backups. Okay, Dak Prescott is criminally underpaid. Now he's set to make more money this year, so he's got that going for him. He's going to make two point oh two five million dollars. But last year, you know, he's at 630, you know, this is the first time he will make more than 600, uh, well, I guess if you count his prorated bonus, first time he'll ever make more than $750,000. I'm not saying you should feel bad for him. That's a lot of money. And Dak's got his Oikos cash. He does a bunch of local sponsorship stuff. He's got a Citibank football camps that he does. He's fine. Okay. He's making a lot of money, but he's not making nearly what he should get based on his performance throughout the course of his career. When he signed with the Cowboys, he signed a four-year, $2.7 million contract. That is dirt cheap. He wasn't allowed to negotiate until after last year. Of course he's not going to take some low-rent deal from the Cowboys. It's an insult that Jerry Jones would offer it to him. I mean, does, does Jerry Jones acts like Dak is the future of this team? I get that there's concerns about whether Dak is the legitimate, uh, you know, the legitimate future franchise quarterback, but he's also only played three years. I, I don't understand when people say that he's like he's wholly dependent on Zeke Elliott. That's just not true. The Dak and Zeke Elliott work well together. Yeah. This guy's averaged. Over the course of his three years as a starter for the Cowboys, he's 32 and 16 as a starter. He has averaged 16 games. He has never missed a game. Availability is a, is a very important ability. He's completed 66.1% of his passes. He's averaged 3,625 passing yards. He has 67 touchdowns and just 25 interceptions. As a rookie, he broke Tom Brady's record for longest streak to start a career without an interception. 7.4 yards per attempt. 96 quarterback rating. I just don't know what people want from Dak Prescott. He has 14 game-winning drives in three years. Eight fourth-quarter comebacks. He's been effing awesome, man. I under, maybe you think he's a system quarterback. 
and he works well behind a great offensive line. Yeah, sure. I don't disagree, and I've said this before. If you flip Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz, you could argue that Carson Wentz might be better. On the other hand, Carson Wentz has had Doug Peterson calling plays for him. I, I just don't – he's not taking less than Carson Wentz. And to suggest that he would is pure insanity. Don't do that. It's how the market works. He's getting paid. Dak's getting paid. He deserves to get paid. Yeah. People feel sorry for the Cowboys. Ridiculous. Jay Gruden uh, told Albert, Albert Breer of the MMQB that he wants to make a decision on the quarterback following the third preseason game. He said, I'd say the vets probably have a little bit of a leg up on him, him being Haskins, Dwayne Haskins, of course, just because they're vets and they played. Case is a lot of football. Of course, he's new to the system. Colt's an experienced guy in the system. He's coming off that injury. We just have to see how he's running around. Got a little nick, to, nick today on it from a confidence standpoint, from a stability, stability standpoint, but they have a little bit of a, a little bit of a leg up on Haskins just because of their knowledge of third down and red zone concepts. There's a lot Dwayne still has to learn, but he can get there. Again, they're going to go with the veterans. It's not going to be Haskins to start. The team's going to stink. Then they're going to go to Haskins after that because Dan Snyder's going to say you have to or else you're fired and nobody wants to get fired. Um, by the way, Tom Brady also said he's adjusting to a new helmet. I've been experimenting with a couple different ones and I don't really love the one that I'm in, but I don't really have much of a choice. Wow, what a unique approach to the situation. You get used to the same helmet for a long period of time. My last helmet, I wore it the last four Super Bowls, so it's a pretty great helmet for me. I hated to put it on the shelf. It's kind of what I'm dealing with. Brady was using the Riddle v, uh, Riddell VSR4, which was one of the prohibited uh, uh, helmets as part of the joint venture with the Players Association to improve player safety. Um, I think that about does it for news, unless I'm missing something obvious and I'm bringing up headlines just to make sure that I'm not. No, don't think I am. That pretty much covers it. So let's take a break and then go talk to Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Join the program now as promised. Uh, good friend of the show. Long time, long time guest, actually. Uh, Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders. Aaron, how are you, friend? Hey, I'm good. How are you doing, man? I am, uh, I am doing well. I'm disappointed that, uh, your former I guess employee, maybe coworker, my current coworker, Ryan Wilson, couldn't join us. Uh, we've, uh, we, you've been doing this pod for like, like you've been doing this pod of us as long as we've been like doing it. And, um, I, I logged into, I logged into football outsiders on, uh, footballoutsiders.com and people should 
go to footballoutsiders.com and, uh, and subscribe to the wonderful products. If you haven't purchased, by the way, the Football Outsiders Almanac, uh, you will want to do so after listening to this pod. And if you haven't done that, I think what is the tagline Bill Simmons uses? Uh, any self-respecting in a football fan better buy Football Outsiders Almanac. It is, um, it is a wealth of knowledge. It is a, a, a very reasonable cost. You can get it on Amazon and on footballoutsiders.com. Uh, I, I just logged in to, um, to purchase my, uh, to purchase my Kubiak, uh, projections for fantasy purposes. And, uh, I'd said that I've been a member of footballoutsiders.com for 10 years. We're getting old, Aaron. I know. I've been doing this for 16 years now. Woo! It's a little crazy. That is nuts, man. Um, yeah, Ryan Wilson used to write at Football Outsiders. I don't know if people know that. Uh, but let's, let's, let's dive in. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to linger. I know you got, you got places to be. I got stuff to do. I don't want to linger too long in the past. Uh, let's talk about some of the, the pre- even the preseason is packed with work for us. Right. Well, I mean, I, I would guess, I would assume that like things have changed dramatically in terms of what you have to update based on not just Kubiak and the, and the stats, um, but also like your projections and everything. It, it, it just feels like there's much more information that matters now than maybe even five years ago or 10 years ago. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot, a lot goes into the projections and then we're trying to keep track of everything. And then, yeah, because we do fantasy projections with the Kubiak preseason fantasy projections, um, you know, you've got to track every little kicker change. <laughs> You know, I mean, there were two kicker changes this weekend. I mean, I guess the one in Minnesota isn't officially a kicker change yet, but you don't trade a fifth round pick for a kicker and not give that guy the job. Oh, absolutely not. No, they're going to, they're going to do that. And, um, the, I think they did it as a, a, a part and parcel to spite the Bears and to keep the Bears from getting him. We'll get to the NFC East, I, or the NFC North, excuse me. Uh, I assume and we might get into it right now when I ask you, what was the most surprising win total projection? That you, and for those that don't know, you guys, I mean, look, if, if I, don't, I don't know why people wouldn't know this, but when you, you guys have a, a mean projection for each team, meaning here is the most likely outcome. You have postseason odds, Super Bowl odds, uh, odds that the, a team will be on the clock, zero to four wins, mediocrity, five to seven wins, playoff contender, eight to 10 wins, and a Super Bowl contender, 11 plus wins. What was the most surprising mean projection that your, uh, that your supercomputer spit out? Well, we might as well stay in the NFC North because the most surprising projection from us this year, I think, is Detroit yep. averaging 8.3 wins. I, I have on my notes here, and I, I it has Lions 8.3 wins, 17 question marks. Uh, explain. <laughs> ex, ex, is this? Is this? I, I would assume that New England uh, that uh, that 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 your that, that the haters, as the kids say out there, will accuse you. Of, uh, of just being a, 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 a Matt, uh, Patricia and Patriots honk and, uh, and, and, and your, and your computer's bias carrying over from the Patriots to the Lions. Is that true or false? How do they know that I'm not a Daryl Bevel honk? <laughs> I know. That is actually, a, well, you, you are a Daryl, Daryl Bevel honk. He gift wrapped, he gift. I'm a Matthew Stafford stan, I guess. <laughs> no, Daryl, Daryl Bevel gift wrapped the Patriots to Super Bowl. So maybe you are a Daryl Bevel honk. <laughs> 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 I will rem- once again. I will remind everyone that was the only interception all year that entire season that was thrown from the one yard line. It's incredible. It's 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 the it's it's such a it's such a pivot point for so many different discussions. But explain to me how the hell the Lions are going to win eight uh, eight plus games because I think their Vegas over under is six and a half. I have heard, and this may be related to your. Um, to the FOA, the almanac being released, I had heard that some buzz that the Lions got a lot of uh, sharp money on their over and on their uh, odds of making the playoffs in Vegas. Uh, why? Why would people be bullish on? Why would you be bullish? Why would other people be bullish on the Detroit Lions? 
Yeah, I mean, I was surprised when it came out this way, too. Uh, the offense, we have their offense projected as slightly above average. Mm-hmm. Their, their defense is slightly below average, <laughs> and they have an easy schedule. And so when you put that all together, it comes out a little bit above 8-8. Eight and eight. But obviously, given how they were last year, that seems like a surprise. Given how they were two years ago, it's less of a surprise. What's going on a lot with the Detroit projection is there's a good amount of rebound in there, right? This is a team that was nine and seven a couple of years ago. In particular, their offense, right, was, was good a couple of years ago. We, uh, we like the talent that they've added this, uh, this offseason. Jesse James was very good for Pittsburgh last year. That's a nice addition. Um, in on defense, they were very, very low last year in takeaways per drive. They were 31st in the league, and that's a really heavy uh, year-to-year regression towards the mean type mm, stat. Okay. Right? Turnovers per drive regress really heavily from year to year. So uh, that's got us projecting the Detroit defense to be better than it was a year ago. And the fact that the Detroit defense was better two years ago, you know, you project a little bit of rebound. Uh, one of the sort of interesting things that we found is that run defense projects the following year's total defense better than pass defense. Right. And Detroit had a much better run defense than pass defense last year. Um, and then also, you know, usually you take a step forward in the second year of a new system. You take a step back in the first year of a new system. Although that's a reason to like the Detroit defense to be better. But it's a reason to think that the Detroit offense maybe won't improve as much as you might think because they're in the first year of a new system. Uh, really quickly on those two regression points, um, what uh, can you uh, and I mean I I, understand, I, I guess for uh, not in layman's terms, but when you I know what you're saying when you say that run defense is a better predictor than pass defense. Is that simply because of the fluky nature of a oblong uh, leather ball flying through the air and sometimes being tipped by human hands and then uh inter, you know it being inter, interceptions are harder to predict than big men stopping the run. Is that is, is that is that the basic construct there or is there something uh, a, l- a little deeper? Here here's the weird part about it. Run defense doesn't really predict the following year's run defense huh. better than pass defense. But run defense predicts the following year's total defense better than pass defense. It's a little I, – I cannot tell you that I figured out why it works the way that it works. <laughs> but it does work. And you I guys just have know that it does work the way that it works. Okay. Because, I mean, I'll give you a good example of where this is weird. Um, this is one of the things that we used last year to predict that Jacksonville was going to decline. Yes. Because Jacksonville in 2017 had been really, really strong against the pass and weak against the run. And in 2018, their defense improved dramatically against the run and yet overall declined, as predicted by the fact that their run defense was not as good in 2017. So I can't tell you that I know why it works the way that it works, but it does seem to work this way. There is It is true that pass defense, it makes sense that pass defense is a little bit more random because it's not just the random bounces of the oblong ball. It's that so much in football is determined by the quarterback. Yes. You know, Brian Burke from ESPN Stats and Info, yep. the way he's put it is that football in some ways is a cross between a team sport and an individual sport because the quarterback has so much impact on what happens with the offense. And the offense is much, is, is easier to predict than defense. In some ways, you know, offense 
dictates the pace of play, dictates what's going on on the field. Defense has more randomness in it. So you, some of it has to do with just what quarterbacks you play from year to year and just which quarterbacks have a good day for, you know, it's not even just measuring uh, schedule strength because that doesn't measure which quarterbacks just happen to have a good day against you last year. But there's, it's just, you know, because the quarterback there's so much more consistency with the quarterback. The defense has a lot more randomness than offense, and pass defense has a lot of randomness in it, and so on and so forth. Okay, well, uh, sticking with that notion, uh, the other shocking, the more shocking, I don't know if it's, it might even be more shocking, the projection for the Chicago Bears, and I talked to, um, on yesterday's podcast, you wouldn't know this, but on, I, because I, I don't think it's published yet, um, I talked to Andy Benoit, and, uh, friend of the program, and he, uh, he and I both, concur another former football outsiders writer absolutely right your coaching tree is large man it's like bill walsh um we uh we both concur that the chicago bears and this is actually before i'd seen your bears chapter uh were due for some regression in uh especially on the defensive side of the ball the football outsiders 2019 mean projection for the bears is 7.9 wins that was a little stunning Chicago last year had a takeaway on 19.1% of defensive drives. <laughs> what? 19.1%. The next highest number was the Rams at 16.5. And the interception numbers, if I can look them up here, are even crazier. They had 27 interceptions last year, which is a pretty, I mean, that's a pretty stunning number. I know for a while yeah. under Lovey Smith, you know, we, like, I think we were expecting turnover regression and somehow it just didn't happen and it finally cratered. Uh, it's something similar in, in route is, I guess is what you're asking. 14.8% of drives entered with an interception. <laughs> that is more than twice the NFL average. Wow. So there's a lot of regression expected there. And, and also just the fact that you know, defense is less consistent than offense. The average rating for, uh, you know, our DVOA ratings, that's our main team efficiency rating. Uh, the average rating for a team that's number one on defense in the following year is ninth. Mm. Now, I don't think Chicago, you know, there's a couple, the, that average is drawn down by a couple of teams that got super old all of a sudden, like between, like the Bears themselves between 2012 and 2013. It's, but it's also, I, I but it's, it's also, like well, it's all, be like, oh, sorry, I was gonna say it's also dragged up by like the 2014 Seahawks and the 2016 Broncos who were, I mean, I mean, really, really. were on defense for multiple years. Right, exactly. And, and, and it's possible that the Bears are a team like that. On average, then, you know, I think I would expect their defense to be fourth or fifth. I think they have our fourth or fifth highest defensive projection. Mm -hmm. you, you also have to remember they're, they're, um, breaking in a new defensive coordinator with a new system. Remember what I said about usually yeah. when you have a new defensive coordinator, you take a step back, all other things being equal. Um, and the problem is that it's not the, the Chicago offense was not good enough that if they have the fourth or fifth best defense, that that's a winning team. The Chicago offense would need to take a big step forward this year in order to be a playoff team if they have the fourth or fifth best defense instead of having one of the best defenses of all time, which is what they had last year. And it's very similar to what our projection was for Jacksonville a year ago when we said basically the same thing. And the defense was fourth or fifth in the league, and the offense got worse. And the Jaguars completely fell apart. Well, you mentioned that, and there's a chat, there's a part in here, uh, the table number four in the Bears chapter is Mitchell Trubisky versus average year two quarterback improvement. I, I, I recall that we discussed 
some year two quarterbacks last season when we were doing this podcast. Uh, how does Mitchell Trubisky stack up in terms of a guy who people would hope might make a leap in 2019? Well, I mean, his, his completion rate went way up. His number of touchdowns went way up. His yards per attempt went up. His interceptions, however, also went up. But he had a good second-year improvement, and yet despite having a good second-year improvement, Chicago ended up 20th in our offensive ratings. So let's say that he improves a little bit more in year three, and they're like 15th or 16th. 15th or 16th on offense with like the fifth or sixth best defense is 8-8. and eight. Mm. So the Bears are in trouble, is what you're saying. Unless unless Trubisky breaks out in this Matt Nagy system. I will say, that first of all, look, I mean, a lot of people believe in Nagy as a coordinator. This is all about the mean of a range of possibilities. I will also say just the NFC North in general, that is our closest division. That is the division where the projections are the closest between the four teams. Sure. So, you know, Chicago could – you know, it could every team could end up on the downside of the projection, except for Chicago, and Chicago could win the division at nine and seven, for all we know. Sure, but but it's almost guaranteed, almost guaranteed that their defense is going to decline. They're going to have to have an offensive improvement in order to, uh, in order to to make the playoffs again. And you know, better special teams would help. I know there's a lot of concentration on the kicker situation in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, last year, right, the, the, the double doink, uh, the, the field goal situation was lousy all year, but, you know, kicking is huff, tough to predict from year to year. So, Absolutely. uh, it's tough to predict whether any new kicker that they got would really be any better than Parky. Um, uh, speaking of another defense that could potentially regress, uh, and I think this is interesting, and I don't, um, I, I'm not 100% sure how often or when you guys started incorporating this. That's my fault. I'm just, Oh, I'm old and I have a five-year-old and a, and a dog who, who destroy my brain. Um, havoc rate. I noticed there's a table, table in the Colts chapter involving havoc rate, which is, I believe, something that Bill Connolly created for college purposes. Uh, Bill, obviously now at ESPN, which I don't know how that works with you guys, but obviously we're, we're not quite sure how it works yet either. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but, but I mean, Bill's done great stuff and, um, how is this new for 2018 havoc rate or is this something that you've been bit blending in before and can you explain the importance of havoc rate and what it means for a defense no what we did was we played with this just for the indianapolis colts chapter really oh, cool. we decided right. let's let's play with this stat that we do for college like let's play with it for the pros and see what we get so we we did this table for havoc rate, but by, by, by the way, havoc rate is uh, okay. Oh, it uh, adds up tackles for loss, passes defense, and forced fumbles into order to see how much defenses are disrupting opposing offenses. Yay me! But one of the things that's interesting is like fumbles and passes defense, like and and tackles for loss, don't project as well with the defensive rating as they do for an offensive rating. Hmm. So an off, like the, like if you know tackles for loss and fumbles and passes defensed against an offense, you'll do a better job of predicting how good that offense is than you would of predicting how good that defense is. Whoa. On the other hand, when we looked at total pressures, like hurries, um, I have to sort of specify that because different organizations have different definitions for pressure at sure. this point. It's one of the problems with football analytics is that we have, like, we all have different definitions for things. Um, yeah, baseball is baseball is very 
I mean, like, there's a lot going on in baseball, but it's very straightforward. I mean, like, teams might do different things and approach things different ways, but I, I feel like the stats are fairly unique, whereas football is so... Um, We're still busy defining what certain words mean. Sure, yeah. And, I mean, and, and sniping... Just to get on my high horse for a minute, oh, this high horse sort horse. of a, a prevalence of... Uh, pressures, referring to pressures as any action on the quarterback, which is a hurry, a sack, or a hit. But to me, a hit is not necessarily a pressure because sometimes you hit the quarterback at like he didn't see you coming, he got rid of the ball fine, and then you knock the quarterback to the ground. Mm. That, that shouldn't count as a pressure in my book. And you no. also don't want to double count, right? right? You have a plays where you can get a hurry and a hit, and you don't want to count that as two pressures. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay. Um, so I am, I, I, I think of pressures as just hurries and sacks. All right. Well, explain to me why the, uh, why the Colts are going to crater in, uh, year two, I guess, under Matt Eberfluss, who had not a- Not crater, but their defense is not as good as it looked last year. One is their pressure rate was very poor. Okay. So what they did was they did better in a lot of these things that are, are less consistent, like fumbles and passes to fast. Mm. Their pressure rate was poor and the pressure rate consists, you know, correlates better with how good a defense is. The other is that in many ways they looked good last year on defense because they had a very easy schedule of opposing offenses. And this year they have a much harder schedule of opposing offenses. Their projected average opponent is only average. But that's they, they they actually have an their offense gets an easier schedule and their defense gets a harder schedule. Oh wow, you're right. Yeah, because they get like they draw like Atlanta, Oakland, KC, um, New Orleans, know, New Orleans, Pittsburgh. So it's a, a, a Carolina, uh, Tampa Bay. So it's a boatload of really good offenses that might not be able to slow down their interesting. So the Colts, um, one would presume that the Colts could potentially uh, be involved in some shootouts and some overs here then, right? They'll look better. They will look better on offense. Well, let, let's all assume that Andrew Luck's calf is okay. Yes, of course. Of course, we are presuming if that. If Andrew Luck's calf is okay, they should look better on offense but not as good on defense compared to a year ago. Okay, so and just to finalize on that pressure rate thing, like if a team is creating a good pressure rate, that is generally indicative that that defense is is trending in the right direction. So like maybe the stats don't add up, but the pressure rate is high, which means that you know in the coming season it could be a breakout defense. Is that does that make sense? Um, yeah, the pressure, especially when a team has a a high pressure rate but a low sack rate. Oh, okay. That they could be a breakout defense the following year. Now the the trouble with this is that of course pressure rate is not a stat that's in the play by play. You have right. to get it from Sports Info Solutions or ESPN and Stats and Information or Pro Football Focus. Um, is there anybody that uh, stood out to you as a potential breakout defense based on those or or any uh, other? Uh... I wish one came to my mind immediately, but no, but no. It, uh, it doesn't. I will say that. Just like paging through the book, Jacksonville, for example, their pressure rate stayed basically the same last year, but their sack rate dropped from second to 15. Interesting. So that would suggest the Jacksonville defense is, you know, maybe have a little bit of a rebound from, I mean, it's not like they declined that much last year, right? Jacksonville was still our number six defense last year, but that the Jacksonville defense will stay, stay good. Their sack rate may get better this year. They had the pressure. Uh, they just didn't have the sacks. Yeah, a, a really, a, a real. I'll tell you a really strange one. Sure. A really strange one is the Patriots. Two years ago, the Patriots were tenth in sack rate and thirtieth in pressure rate. 
that would normally signify a defense that was about to get worse in sack rate. So they did get worse in sack rate. They dropped to 30th in sack rate, yet their pressure rate went up from 30th to 6th. So essentially the Patriots defense last year reversed. Instead of being really good with sacks and not as good with pressure, they were really good with pressure, but they didn't get home to make any sacks. Wow. So that is a, that was a, that's a very, you do not see that kind of a switch very often. The Patriots, <laughs> un, incalculable by analytics. As, as but it have. is, it does success that they'll, it, it does, um, suggest that they'll get more sacks this year. Okay. So the defense might take a step forward and they're going to run the ball a ton, probably. Uh, I, I do want to ask you about, actually, I want to ask you about running the ball. Do you think, um, are we heading towards a, a world where more NFL teams try to pound the rock, not necessarily, uh, run to win, but, uh, have the ability to run when they need to run? Because it feels like the Patriots, Saints, uh, Cowboys, Lions, some more of these teams are just kind of moving to bigger offensive personnel. Yeah, I, I don't know how much that's really true. I know the Lions have talked about wanting to run more. I think the Patriots and Saints running more may just have to do with winning more. You know, they're running mm. more because they're, they're running clock. Uh, and, and with those quarterbacks getting older. Sure. But other, other teams with young quarterbacks are passing more. Um, you know, the exception to all this is Baltimore, obviously. <laughs> Baltimore is in a really weird place where on one hand, they've hired a number of analytics people and analytics tells you to pass more. <laughs> yeah. And at the same time, they're going to run the most run heavy offense in the league with a quarterback who runs all the time. Like, you know, you projecting Lamar Jackson's fantasy stats for this year is really difficult because there's never been a quarterback who ran quite as much as he ran last year in the seven starts. And you don't want to project. If you project that he'll run like that for the whole year, you end up with like 200 carries, which no quarterback has ever come close to. Right. Um, but I still think that the, the direction of the league is in favor of passing it, 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 after it reversed a little bit in 2017, it went back towards passing last year. I still think that the direction of the league is more towards spreading it out and passing. But what you may see more of is what analytics shows is very efficient, which is bigger personnel that passes. You know, it's efficient to go against what the defense expects. So actually running is more efficient when you run from 11 personnel and passing is more efficient if you pass from 21 or 12 personnel. So I don't know. You may see more teams go from 11 to 12 a little more this year. There's reports out of Los Angeles that the Rams are going to use more 12 personnel. The Lions are going to use more 12 personnel. Probably, obviously, the Eagles already use a lot of it. Uh, you know, on the other hand, the Patriots will use it less without Gronk. So sure. it all balances out. Certain teams go in one direction. Other teams go in another direction. Um, okay. I would like to ask you about uh, what um – Oh, I know. The Browns. Second half improvements in passing DVOA 2004 to 2018, meaning what quarterbacks, what young quarterbacks took a big jump in the second half. We find Baker Mayfield and actually Nick Foles from 2018, but that's sort of a weird situation, uh, made his, made an appearance on here as to Josh Allen. Uh, the, the guys above Baker Mayfield though, only two of them in terms of a big spike in the second half. Russell Wilson, interesting. Joey Harrington, uh, more interesting. Joey Harrington's big second half spike in 2005 did not lead to a big Joey Harrington breakout year in 2006. You may not know this. <laughs> or a big Joey Harrington breakout career. But what the research showed, we, we looked at second half improvements by passers. 
And what it showed was that it is much better to project a player from year to year using their full season performance rather than using a half season performance or an improvement in the second half or, for that matter, a decline in the second half. Mm. And we even specifically looked at older quarterbacks declining and younger quarterbacks improving. And you would you would want to believe the story makes sense, right? Younger quarterback improves in second half, should carry over to the following year. But it doesn't. Mm. Now, Baker Mayfield was good enough over the course of the entire year that when you add on the typical improvement of a quarterback from first to second year, you know, he looks like one of the top quarterbacks in the league sure. for 2019. But it doesn't necessarily mean he's not going to be, you know, he was like the number two quarterback or something for the second half of the year last year. And that is unlikely to carry over. He was like number 12 or something for the full year. And if you add a little improvement onto that, that's a better picture of where Baker Mayfield's going to be this year. And likewise, the second half declines that you saw from Philip Rivers and Drew Brees are not necessarily going to carry over as decline this year. Mm. All right. Uh, I will get you out of here on this because I know you got places to be, people to see, um, appointments to meet. Uh, every, so every year when I dive into the Kubiak projections on footballoutsiders.com, again, these are sort like it's, you, I look at them and there's somebody who stands out to me and I'm like, man, that is a wild projection. I was like, I can't, and like sometimes I buy into it and sometimes I don't and I draft the guy or I don't draft the guy. Every time the, the, there's some random guy who ends up having a big year that's in your projections that's higher up than they should be. It, it, let's say you're out at a barbecue. Or a cookout, as it were, because we don't say barbecue in the South like that. Uh, let's say you're at a cookout, and uh, somebody in your neighborhood is like, "Hey, Aaron, uh, who, who's the best sleeper you can recommend for my fantasy draft? What name would you give them? A, a surprising uh, breakout guy who isn't just, the, you know, on the the larger picture radar." Well, it, you know, there's the nobodies who suddenly have seasons, and sure. those are really tough to predict because that is based so much on a coach's sort of determination of which players they want to play and getting into coaches head getting into the coaches heads is the hardest part of fantasy projections but the player that i know we have a lot higher than average draft position is running back carry on johnson from detroit that's who i was looking at and there's a couple reasons one is we believe it when daryl bevel says he wants to run the ball more Right. So we projected Detroit with more runs. Also, we project Detroit to be uh, more likely than not a winning team. And that means Detroit will run more than they did a year ago. And we think that their running back committee is more likely to be more of a concentration on carry on Johnson. And he'll have more pass catches now that there's no more theoretic. So when you put all of those things together, we have carry on Johnson a lot higher than ADP. Mm, all right, I like it. Carry on Johnson of the Detroit Lions. Who would have uh, Who would have expected this turned into a? It's not like we've ever gotten in trouble for projecting Detroit Lions running backs. Like fifteen years ago, we put Ke- uh, Kevin Jones was that his name uh, on the cover of our first book? Oh no, out of UCF, yeah. Kevin. And uh, and he sucked. Yeah, he, <laughs> he had a, he had moments. So didn't he have a great rookie year? He had a great rookie year. Yeah, and he just thought he was going to break out and be outstanding in his second season, and he 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 wasn't. Does the T.J. Hawkinson draft pick help too? Because it feels like you know, they, I mean, the Lions are another one of those teams. It's like, I mean, they got you know, they got Galladay on the outside and Marvin Jones. I mean, they, there is a, a pathway for that offense. To be Sub- good, subjectively, it it subjectively it looks pretty good. Yeah. Objectively, I will say, uh, it is harder to project the impact 
of offensive top draft picks than defensive top draft picks. So we actually, offensive top draft picks are not an element of our projection system other than quarterbacks, hmm. whereas the amount of draft capital you spend on top defensive draft picks is an element of our projection system because it's hard. It's just harder to project. Sometimes your your offensive top draft picks turn out to be John Ross. <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, all right. Aaron Schatz, footballoutsiders.com. Go buy football outside the almanac. I will tweet out a link to the, uh, to the site and to, uh, Amazon. And, uh, oh no, I'm forgetting. Is it, uh, FO underscore Aaron Schatz? Is that right on Twitter? FO underscore A-S-C-H-A-T-Z. My hard to spell last name, <laughs> but I, I don't want to change my Twitter handle because I don't want to get rid of my valued little check mark. It's oh, a very, very wise move for you. Thanks as always, my friend, for, uh, for joining I us. I should also p- mention yeah, we, plug away, we plug talked away. a couple times about the Kubiak fantasy projections. This year, the Kubiak fantasy projections are a web application rather than a spreadsheet. I see that. You can it automatically updates every time I update. You don't have to continuously download new updates. You don't have to have Excel open on your computer in order to use it. It's a web application now. Uh, so we think it's, it's got a, a bunch of added value from what we've had in the past. And I know a lot of people really like it and win their leagues with it. So you should also check out our Kubiak web application on footballoutsiders.com. I'm looking at it right now and it is also has a very helpful, uh, mark as drafted, uh, status on here. So that way if somebody is, if, if you take somebody, if they're drafted, um, you can click my team or Marcus drafted. Um, I, I would suggest, if I may, I don't know if you guys can do it. Uh, if you click Marcus drafted, strike through the player's name on the left. I don't know if that's We possible. are working on a thing where you'll be able to filter to remove all the drafted players. Ooh, very nice, very nice. From the screen or, and then filter back to have the drafted players back. But when you mark as drafted in an auction league, it then figures the um, inflation in your league. Oh, well, hello then. All right. Uh, go check these out. I promise I use them in every league I do. And, uh, I mean, I'm not saying I win every league. But so I... do most of my friends, which makes my fantasy drafts really interesting because I tend to be drafting against my own projections. I, I, that is interesting. Yeah. You should, you should, you should drop some, uh, some Easter eggs in there. Like, hey, you guys won't believe it. Uh, it's, I, I can't believe it either. Ronald Jones is our top running back this year. Um, you don't do that. That would ruin your career. You don't think anybody will pay three dollars for a kicker, but when I say Stephen Goskowski two, somebody inevitably says Stephen Goskowski three. <laughs> Aaron Schatz, you're the best man. Thanks as always, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me on. Thanks.